0: I want you to finish this statement this morning God won't give us more than we can handle God won't give us more than we can handle hmm. I've come this morning to tell you this that is a lie from the pit of hell that is Is a lie. We'll unpack that momentarily, but first let me remind you of where we've been and where we're going. We're on week four of our series on grief, and thus far we've said this we've said that grief is inevitable. Grief is inevitable, it's a journey that we must all go on. Grief is also personal. And it involves a process. But friends, the grieving process takes time and it takes trust. It takes when you can't see, as Lonnie saying this morning, it means when you can't see or feel the hand of God, it's to trust His heart. It's to remember, as as a few weeks ago, we gave you promises of God. It's to remember in those times to trust heart him and how do you get to know him how do you get to know others how do you get to trust others you have to extend trust now for some of you that might be well okay god i'm trusting you right here i'm not asking you say hey god i'm trusting you I'm, i'm giving you all my trust give him a little bit of trust Because for some of us, we've been hurt by others. We've been hurt by those inside the church. Amen? There are so many people in our community that will not enter the doors of this church or other churches because as they gathered and where they thought they were in a safe place, where they thought they were in a place where they could belong, they were only hurt. And not just a little hurt, but huge hurts. I've had a conversation with a man in the past year that he went through a deep, dark valley. And as we rode together, he talked and he told me and he said, he said sir, he said, as I walked through that valley, I was attending a church and those that I thought would be with me were not. Those that I thought would come alongside and love and encourage me They pushed me aside. Now, when they wanted something, well, hey, brother so-and-so, right? They showed their true colors. They've been hurt by the church. Listen, as we talk about grieving, we have to trust God and lean on others. We said last week, if we allow ourselves to live in the illusions of denial, Escape or fantasy, we stray from the pathway to healing. Grief requires us to keep walking and talking with Jesus. And this morning, I want to leave you with this fact. When we resist the temptation to become stuck, we are free to continue in our grief journeys towards recovery. When we resist the temptation to become stuck, we're free to continue our grief journeys towards recovery. Stuck. Stuck. That's what I want to talk with you about this morning. When we allow ourselves to become stuck in one or more stages of grief, we delay healing or prevent it altogether. Now, as Lonnie mentioned too, at least somebody's listening. Amen. She's not even attending here all the time. Maybe that's because she doesn't have to hear me all the time. Maybe she's paying attention. If she did, like Brother um, Robert back there or Brother Danny, they just right overhead. I don't know. (laughs) Begin to tune me out. But listen, as she mentioned, when we grieve, we can grieve things that are not just the loss of a loved one. We're going to grieve the loss of a job. We've got folks right now that are getting ready to go through a grieving process as their children transition. As we had graduates that graduated this past week from our local high schools, as they transition to college and people become empty nesters, do you think their life changes? Yes. Do you think that they will go through a grieving process? Yes. It's not just about the loss of a loved one. But listen, with God's help, we can resist the temptation to persist in questioning in anger and depression and become free to continue in our grief journey towards recovery. I want to take a minute and just read from Finding the Good to Grief. It's Rediscover Joy After a Life-Changing Loss. Give me a moment if you would would so oblige that we have set up a page just for this series. We do it for all of the series, but we've done it especially for this one. And So if you go to BibleFellowshipSumter.com, you go to the messages, there is a grief series icon that says current series. All the messages are there. The books that I've been referring to, this one I have in my hand, is there with a link to Amazon. So we've provided that as a resource page for you or for somebody else. So I encourage you to maybe point others there or to go back and to look at some of the free resources and the materials that we've referenced. But listen, in this book, Finding the Good to Grief, John Baguette writes this. In times of grief, we tend to ask a lot of questions. When we're in shock and denial, we ask, is this really happening? Is there a way for it to not be true? When we're trying to avoid facing the reality of our losses through some form of escape, we want to know, where can I flee? Where is a safe place? If we are in the victim role, we wonder, who is going to rescue me? When is it going to happen? At some point in our journeys of grief, most of us reach the place where it is no longer possible to live in denial, avoidance, or false hope. The reality of our situations breaks through our defenses, and we are compelled to face the truth of what has happened, no matter how difficult. To the question of whether a personal tragedy is real, we must always answer yes. To the question of where we can flee to safety, we are forced to answer nowhere to the questions about who or what will come to give us a different situation and when that will take place, we are required to admit it's not going to happen. At the point when it is no longer possible to avoid facing the reality of our losses and their implications, we often find ourselves uttering a new question. Why? 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 You think back on your kids or your grandkids. Well, we're going to go do something. Like, well, why? Well, because of this. Well, why? It's an endless stream of questions. Amen. Doesn't matter what you how you answer that question. Well, why? Why? Because they're inquisitive. They want to know. Listen, we may be able, we may be the most asked of all human questions. Why may be the most asked of all human questions. Because we want to believe there is an explanation for everything. The question itself is a sign that we are not yet ready to embrace the reality of our losses. Before we can know acceptance, we must continue a while in our journey of grief. Listen, continuing to ask why only leads to more questions and not answers. I think about Sister Betsy, as she mentioned a while back, that as she went through a rough time in her life, she went through a time of grief, she asked why. And what she really needed was the Lord. And he helped her to see that. Amen? But that's part of her story. That's part of what she's been through. And praise God that she was willing to share that. As I mentioned to you this morning as we prayed, what are you doing to leave this church better than you found it? What are you doing to leave this church better than you found it? And I think it's doing what Miss Betsy has done. It's doing what others of you have done and say, Look, okay, this is what happened to me. This is the rough spot that I went through. You know why? There's multitudes of reasons why. It shows our gracious God. It shows how He worked. It shows how He's shown up. But it also gives us a glimpse to all God has brought them through. It gives us a glimpse and a reminder to maybe be compassionate and to be more gracious with them. Amen? Sometimes when you think somebody's mad at you, it's really they're mad at themselves. Right? And we so often take a person, oh, she's mad at me. No. You don't know the story that she's made up, that he's made up in his head, that he is telling himself. So what seems like rudeness or being unsociable to you is really that person internalizing something. And I see some nodding of heads and I've had some conversations about that. Oh my goodness, there's a song I love and it says, further along we'll know all about it, right? There's sometimes you don't know what's going on. There was a situation right after we first got here a year ago. Well, two, several I could name. But there was one in particular I didn't understand it, I didn't, and I had to t- have a talk with my kids, and I was like, I don't know why that's happening. I don't know why that person did that. But then, further along, I knew all of that. I understood it a little bit more. At some level of our being, we believe that bad stuff happens to other people. We think of ourselves as special, and therefore we're exempt from tragedy. Have you ever thought that? At one point in your life, you might have. And we cling to the notion, listen, that bad things only happen to bad people. And that those who live good lives are immune from such things. Now, you might not believe that, but there are others of those that do. So we started this morning by saying, God won't give you more than you can handle. False. Eh. You will not find this phrase in the Bible. We're going to the Bible. We're getting there. Listen, to keep us grounded in reality of our need for a savior, God graciously allows us to see just how much we can't handle. He put the prophet Elijah's back against the wall and made him depend on birds. He gave Moses 600,000 impossible to please travelers. And he tasked 11 apostles with spreading the gospel all over the world. And he'll give you way more than you can handle, too. But people say, God won't give me more than I can handle. Eh. Not true. Not true. Listen, that tired old phrase sounds like a, a taunt more than comfort. When we're down and out and feeling discouraged, hearing those words, listen, can make us feel like we're not measuring up. And it causes us to ask, if I'm supposed to handle this, then why can't I handle it? You know why? Because you weren't meant to handle it on your own. The truth is God never said He wouldn't give you more than you can handle. There will be times in life when you feel like you're drowning and there is no one to help you. Go home and look up the song, Oceans. Listen to that. God won't give you more than you can handle. and That's false. These words that were meant for encouragement can often serve to only create discouragement. Worse yet, this phrase can tempt us to ignore... Listen, our suffering and pretend it's not there. It can lead us to believe the lie that we can do it ourselves. That we can handle it. Which raises the question, listen, lean in. If we can handle anything that comes our way, then why do we need God at all? If we can handle anything that comes our way, then why do we need God at all? Do you see the falsity of that statement? Now I want to show you how we got there. We indeed need to make sure that we realize that we cannot make it on our own. And so in order to realize where did this false statement come from, we have to go back 2,000 years to the city of Corinth where the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church at Corinth. And in his first letter, he's reminding them that all people are tempted and often... Choose to do the wrong thing. Paul's warning is tied to the reality of temptation and sin that meets us every day. Let's look really quickly at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So take your copy of your Bible, turn over to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at one verse this morning. And here we find where Paul writes, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted. Y'all say, tempted. Tempted. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may Be able to endure it. Here is where the world has turned what God's word says into a false statement. Paul's warning comes with a promise. But listen, as we see that Paul's saying that you will not be tempted beyond your ability, as we've already said this morning, this is not what people are talking about when they, um, when they think they're talking about this verse. So can I remind you this morning that obviously this verse in particular is often misquoted. It is misquoted. and There's a lie that people have begun to believe. God won't give me more than I can handle. And eh. next time you hear somebody say that, I want you to lean back. Y'all are probably going to do that. And be like, eh. be like, you know, they're going to be like, "What is wrong with you?" Just blame it on your pastor. Blame it on your interim pastor. This crazy guy. But listen, it's often misquoted. So here's my challenge to you this morning: Know your Bible. Know your Bible. Sit under good preaching and teaching. If you don't think what we're doing here at Bible Fellowship is good preaching and teaching, guess what? There's about 300 other options in town. Amen? Go see if you like their preaching and teaching. Because the the statement of, I'm not getting fed, is a selfish statement. That's another, "Eh." when you hear somebody say, I'm not getting fed, what part of your faith Paul even says I'm going I'm not going to get very far but it's okay we'll pick up next week but Paul even says man I'm ready to give you the Lord's ready to give you filet mignon and you're still nursing on milk Sometimes you got to like you got to get up and you got to do something for yourself Amen So those people who say, I'm not getting fed, then what you really need to do is you need to do like a senior saint did to me a long time ago. And you need to be real and raw. And you might just tick them off, but amen, it's a holy tick off. And you need to look at them and you need to say, son, daughter, what are you doing to seek the Lord? You're complaining. I was complaining in that situation. And she looked at me and she said, well, what are you doing? I got in the car I said, come on, who's that woman think she is talking to me like that? She made me mad. But you know what? Just like I told you this morning when I prayed, there were people when I got here that didn't like me because I came on too strong. But God gave me an agenda of certain milestones that we needed to hit to launch small groups. Praise God, that's one of the things that we did. And it has, it has helped. It's worked. People were finding community. We have our prayer group. We have two small groups. People have taken next step into those. Praise God for that. And how about this? When you hear somebody say something, ask people: Can you show me that? Can you show me where it says that? Now, can I? I wrote in my notes: tone. Tone is really important. If Brother Jay shared something with me and be like, "Man, show me where it says that." Now, that's a little bit different. If I come up and say and say, "Well, Jay, you said that," so where'd you like, where's the, where did you find that? Did Paul say that? And is that from like Philippians or Colossians? Where do he say that? Okay. Well, let's look together, right? It's all about your approach. And so when you hear things, man, you don't have to, if you got suspicion, you ain't got to let it all come out in your tone and be condescending. Amen. You can just say, Hey, I don't, I, where'd you, where'd you see that? Where'd you hear that? Like point them back and make them look Because what? The world is telling us, hey, God won't give you more than you can handle. And what should you do? That's right. Amen. Amen. That wasn't even planned. That's a Holy Spirit inspired. (laughs) "Eh." Anyway. But listen, in this passage, Paul pointed out that we always have a choice. We always have a choice. We can either engage in sin or run from it. And can I tell you something this morning with the few moments that we have left? The promise is that God will always provide a way out. Now God's way out may be through it, but you're not going alone. You are not going alone. So remember that God promises a way out. But can I remind you that, and we need to be clear, that Paul is talking about temptation in this verse. He's talking about trial. He's not talking about suffering. You see, with temptation, we have a choice. But with suffering, we often don't have a choice. In moments of suffering, we feel like we can't go on or don't understand what's happening to us. You you sang about that this morning, Lonnie. Thank you for singing what the Lord laid on your heart. Because there will be times when you don't see his hand, you can't feel his hand, but you've got to trust his heart. You've got to rely on the promises of God. If you need that sheet, contact me. would be glad to give it to you. There are like 43-something promises of God that I found. Take that. And you know what? You want a next step in your life? You want to grow in your faith? You take one of those and you say, okay, for the next 41 days, I'm going to look up one of those. Right, it's going to say I can't remember where they all are. But you know, that God is one of them might be God is faithful and it shows you that verse. So maybe you look that verse up. You know what? If you don't have your Bible or you don't know where to look, you got Google. Go to Google. Hebrews 4:16. Enter. Oh, there's the verse. Use technology to your advantage. But can I tell you something else brothers and sisters? In your copy of God's word, In your copy of God's Word, there is an all-important page that is often overlooked. Right here. The table of contents. You know what? As a preacher and teacher of God's Word, I've been at certain things. I've been at a Bible conference. And I'm thinking, they say something and I'm like, where is that again? You know what most people do? They just open their Bible to a random place. But you know what? The table of contents is there for a reason. It's Holy Spirit inspired too. Use it. Don't be afraid to use it. I've had to use it. You're sitting around with all these preachers and teachers and men of God. I didn't just open my Bible up to random places like the one lady did in Turbyville one time. We were over in the New Testament. And that joker was over in like 1 Samuel. I mean, but she had her Bible open. So if you looked around, whoo, she's she's in God's word. She's in the wrong passage. and She's asleep, but she got her Bible open. All right, so listen. In moments of suffering, we feel like we can't go on or don't understand what's happening to us. Rather than stand and proclaim that we can't handle it, we should imitate Jesus. The night before Jesus was executed, he cried out in the garden, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Matthew 26, 38. Jesus is in essence telling his father, this is too much for me. This is too much for me. And we see this kind of thing in the Psalms too. Listen, the psalmist bawled their fist in rage and shouted to God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Have you heard that in scripture before? Yes. What did Jesus do on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're going to stop right here this morning. I want to just remind you do not believe. The lie that God will not give you more than you can handle. Don't believe it. So, if we're not going to believe it, and we know that God's Word says that we won't be tempted more than we're able, we have to turn to God. And as the psalmist, we have to be real and we have to be raw. And just pour out our hearts before Him. And we have to remember, friends, that Jesus understands suffering too. He understands rejection. He understands pain. He's not some little genie that we put on the shelf. Our Bible is not just a a magic lantern and and we hold it and we do like this, and and as we pray, poof, it's going to happen. we have to look to the Lord we have to remember that sometimes when we feel like we can't handle it that's to remind us that we can't because if we could why would we need God right why would we need the Lord if we had all the answers And we could get ourselves out of every situation. And we could answer every why we've ever asked. Or someone's asked us. Just find time to get down low, to humble yourself maybe you're laying in bed at night like i sometimes do and just pray take my bible app that i have with many of your names that come up on rotation and and i pray for what i know is going on in your life some of your names come up and i don't know much of what to pray but the ones who share things and share what they're going through and share ways that i can pray guess what I can pray specifically. And even the ones that don't tell me how to pray, guess what? I'm going to pray for them anyway. Because they need God. They need Him to show up. They need Him to work in their life. They need strength. They need grace. As we've gone through this series of grief... I haven't spoken from experience, right? But I've spoken from truths that I've seen. And I've spoken from truths of your life. I felt unqualified to preach and teach this message. That's why we put it off and put it off. But God said, stop putting it off and preach it and teach it. And who would have thought, even in our own congregation, that somebody would have that we would have the grief that we've experienced since we've even started this series, Amen. And I think it's to remind us not just in the grief of loss of loved ones, but it's, the, it's grieving things that change. It's, it's grieving structures and, and control, and you don't have as much influence as you might would have had, and your children are leaving, and they're moving, and things are changing, and your health is changing, and you don't have the strength that you did, and you can't go and do what you want to do. You're grieving that. But can I remind you that you're not alone? You're not alone. I'm asked this morning... For my friend, um, Mr. Bob, if he will close us in prayer, Mr. Bob, if you will. Um, Thank you for allowing me the, the privilege to pull us all together to pray this morning. Because I don't have all the answers. And guess what? You don't either. But God does. As we continue to seek Him, as we continue to have conversations, as we continue to... Just keep our eyes and ears and heart and mind open. No telling what God might do, amen? No telling what small way God might use us to bake a casserole or to bake a cake or visit somebody that's a shut-in. Or like the young ladies where they took the baby bottle and they filled it up from their friends. Praise God. I saw this morning, I closed with this, I'll pull it right here. I don't always look in the offering plate, but there was one dollar that just kind of jumped out at me that was sticking up in the offering plate. Somebody had to sacrifice something to give this. How can this be used? Only God knows But what happens is if we went around this morning and and I got a dollar from Lonnie and I got a dollar from Cindy and I got a dollar from Betsy and and from Kendall and Jay and Tammy, Robert, Jenny, Dwight, Nancy, Liz, Helen, Terry, Jimmy, Linda. If I I got a dollar from each one of y'all, what happens? It, It can accomplish more. Amen. So whereas we don't think we're giving a lot. Or you might not think somebody else is giving a lot. You see that plate pass and there's a dollar in there. I'm thankful for that dollar. I'm thankful for that dollar maybe more than I am this 20 that's in there. Because I don't know where this dollar needed to go. But now it's to go to be used for the Lord. To be sent to the foreign mission field. to, To buy a paintbrush to help paint a school. I don't know. It's been a good year. It's been a challenging year, but it's been a good year. Thank y'all. Mr. Bob.